This is Kelsey Leonard, and you're listening to Valiantly Spoken. Today I'm chatting with Trevor Gates, class of 2007, about his career as an attorney and specifically being licensed as a patent attorney. So tell us a little bit about your path from VC to where you are now. Sure. So... I did not know I wanted to be an attorney when I first started or when I first started attending Valley. So I went to Valley Catholic for high school only. I realized towards the end of high school, probably my junior year that I wanted to be an attorney. I just didn't know what that looked like. Um, And I knew that law school was something that I would pursue after undergrad. And so I didn't focus too much on what exactly that would look like. I just sort of knew it was something in the future that I wanted to do. And I sort of had my sights set on other things like sports and playing football in college and things like that. Um, But eventually I changed and started focusing more on the um, law path and uh, eventually went to law school at the University of Oregon, Um, graduated there in 2015. Um, made my way up to Seattle where I joined the law firm K&L Gates. Um, just a convenient last name, same as mine, unfortunately, no relation. That would be nice, though. It's not a bad last name to have up here. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of my route from the, my roots back in Oregon up here, up north in Seattle, where I've been for the last about five years. Nice. And how did you specifically decide patent law? So I... I I realized that some, so I I mentioned before, I wanted to be an attorney. I just didn't know what that looked like. Um, And like most professions to be an attorney is kind of like being an engineer or a teacher, right? You can be that, but what does that actually actually mean when you say you want to be an attorney, right? Are you going to be in a courtroom? Are you going to be drafting contracts? Are you going to be um, representing people? And if so, what are you going to be representing and what are they going to be doing? What are your clients going to look like? Um, And I realized probably, um, I don't know, partway through college that I wanted to try to marry um, a couple of my interests, one of those being um, law and the legal profession, and another one sort of being my science um, side of my brain. So my major in, in undergrad was chemistry, and I started looking at ways that I could sort of combine my interest in science, technology, um, things like that with the law, and that naturally eventually drew me towards intellectual property law um, and eventually patent law. And so that was sort of how I got from um, like majoring in chemistry and undergrad to wanting and actually be a, a patent attorney. So what is the day-to-day of your job? What are you doing every day? I am actually, when, when people, when I tell people I'm a patent attorney or when um, people ask like, what do you do? What does a patent attorney mean? So when most people Um, say they're a patent attorney, what they're doing in their day-to-day life is drafting patents. And I do not do that. So to be a patent attorney, you have to be an attorney. So you graduate from law school, you take the bar and you pass the bar and you become an attorney. And then you also have to pass the patent bar. So the United States Patent and Trademark Office requires those that practice in front of it to pass the patent bar. Um, It's an exam that you take. You have to have a special background and things like that. Um, It's a lot of fun, like most of these standardized tests. So once you um, become an attorney and um, pass the patent bar, you are technically a patent attorney. And most people that do that, do that with the intent of writing patents. 
um, and actually drafting those themselves. I do not do that. And I realized pretty early on that I didn't want to do that. I just didn't want to close that door. And I knew if I didn't take the patent bar early in my career, I never would. Because like most people, when you're, when you're done taking tests in life, you sort of never want to go back to that stage, right? Um, and so what I actually do, so my primary practice is technology transactions. And I do that a lot. Uh, what, I, what I tell most people is that I, I am a technology, sports, media, and IP attorney. And so what I do is I work on primarily commercial agreements, which are contracts, um, drafting, negotiating them. Uh, and what that looks like is basically any sort of, typically any sort of business to business contracts that involve technology, IP, which may be patents, copyrights, trademarks, sports. So maybe you were talking about football related, the XFL, PGA Tour, golf related, um, anything media related, so film investment agreements, um, film licensing agreements, distribution agreements, things like that. And so I work on those agreements that govern those different areas um, of the world. I never show up to court. I never draft patents, but I sort of like deal in that space, if that makes sense. Interesting. And so it is, let me make sure I have this right, mainly drawing up contracts in relation to those things. Exactly. So, and um, most people sort of have a vague idea of like, what does it mean to draft and negotiate contracts? But then um, most of the time that people who are not attorneys, they don't really deal with contracts much, right? So most of the contracts you deal with are, maybe it's a lease agreement, right? You're renting from somewhere, buying a house, like we deal with that. Um, maybe you buy something online through Amazon and you agree to some sort of click through terms, but you never actually read them, right? So, so yeah, I'm drafting um, not the lease agreements because that would be more like real estate focus, but I'm drafting those agreements that um, would uh, typically govern like business to business relationships or like business to consumer relationships. Can you give us a one-on-one crash course on what a legal binding contract requires? I guess I'll preface this with saying this would be the typical elements of a contract that I'm working on, which would be different than, um, for example, your rental agreement for the house or apartment that you're renting or um, a variety of other agreements that, that um, people could be working on. So for the commercial agreements that I'm drafting on, so let's, let's use an example. Let's say my client is the PGA Tour and I have a... Um, company that wants to host a golf tournament um that company is trevor gates llc and i want to host my own tournament that's called trevor gates llc's pga tour tournament so as a company i might enter into an agreement with the pga tour that'll have a variety of different elements um, typically first you sort of lay out the basics of um, the services that are actually going to be provided. Um, so in this case, I as Trevor Gates LLC am probably paying money to the PGA Tour to have this um, tournament named after me. And then at, from the PGA Tour, I have probably have a variety of obligations that will be imposed on me to um, make sure this tournament is like up and running, right? Um, to source where it's going to be, things like that. So you basically have the first part of most contracts are like the basics of what's actually going on, who's paying money, what services are being provided, um, who's receiving those services, when, just sort of those types of business um, details. Then you get into this, the, 
the legal speak that's going to be boring to most people listening to this, which are things like um, reps and warranties, indemnifications, um, limitations of liability. And so what those are, are in the case of reps and warranties, obligations on each party to do something. Um, in the case of indemnifications, it's sort of like if there's an issue that comes up, who's going to be responsible for that? Um, and then limitations of liability are if someone's responsible for something, how much can they be forced to pay? And so this is why most lawyers sort of think like worst case scenario, if something goes wrong with this tournament, um, say a golfer gets injured, a spectator gets injured, who's going to be responsible for that if that person sues, for example? Um, and then lastly, there's usually like a variety of what people call boilerplate terms, which are like, okay, if you're, if we're going to sue each other, where do we have to sue each other? Is that going to be in Washington? Is it going to be in Eugene, Oregon? Um, is it going to be in Portland? Where is it going to be? And so that's sort of like, I don't know, the three general areas of what most contracts contain. If you could give anybody listening to this podcast advice about a contract, a legal contract, what would it be? Hire a lawyer. Good to know. One of the things that I try to pride myself on, on an attorney, so I work for a very large law firm. We, um, we have a lot of really um, large clients that hire us to be experts in what we do. Um, they can pay what I would consider are high hourly rates, all things considered. Um, not like East Coast high, but they're still hundreds of dollars an hour, right? Um, but what I pride myself on is trying to give practical advice. Um, and so I joke and say hire a lawyer, but there are a lot of lawyers, good lawyers, who will tell you when it's not worth it for um, you to hire them and maybe give you advice when you can move on without an attorney. Um, so I would say if you, if, there, if you have concerns with something you're looking at, then talk to an attorney. Um, and if he or she is good at what he or she does, they will advise you accordingly. And in a lot of cases, you probably don't need the attorney. And I tell that to people all the time. So if any of our alums listening have a brilliant idea and want to get a patent, what would they do? Well, so keep in mind, so I don't actually write patents, right? So I would have to refer you to someone, if you actually needed a patent, I would have to refer you to someone to draft that patent um, on your behalf. So I guess what that would look like is step one, talk to someone who um, can help you decide whether pursuing a patent is actually worth it or pursuing any sort of like intellectual property registration. So um, patents typically cover... Uh, machines, processes, apparatuses, things like that. Um, copyrights protect original works of expression. So that could be like a book, a movie, things like that. Trademarks protect um, names, slogans, and identifiers that are used as like sources of goods. So when I talk about intellectual property registration, it could be like any of those threes and other ones. So it's talk to someone who is an intellectual property specialist that can help you decide whether it's worth it to um, pursue the route of trying to draft a patent um, or any sort of intellectual property registration. Step one is usually figuring out, like, does it make sense to do this? Um, is it protectable? Meaning, um, could you even file it and successfully get, in this case, a patent on whatever it is? Um, and then assuming you make that determination that, yes, it is. Um, yes, it's worth it to pay the money to do so, um, which could be anywhere from a few thousand dollars to, like, over $10,000. Um, or more complicated ones could be higher than that. Um, so that's part of the sort of judgment call that goes into it is deciding whether it makes sense to 
pay that money. If this is something that is important, it would. But if it's not, then it probably isn't. Or if you have no interest in enforcing it, if someone comes along and rips off your idea or whatever it is, it may not be worth it to enforce it. So um, that's like step one. Step two is actually getting it done. And then step three is like enjoying it when it's finished. (laughs) So if anybody listening is thinking about becoming a lawyer, what advice do you have for them? Think very carefully before you jump in the hole. Um, I get this. I get this question from a lot of people like, Hey, I want to be uh, I want to be an attorney in general. Uh, what advice do you have for me? And I would just say that, um, you, well, I'm happy to sort of, I, I think, uh, my first response is, is to like find out exactly what that means. Like talk to people that are in the profession. And after this question, I'm happy to sort of tell you more about like what it actually means to be an attorney in like day to day life. But um, the first step I sort of tell people is talk to those in the profession. If you happen to know like which field you want to be, talk to people in that field because every field is different and see what their life looks like is something like you want your life to look at, look like, um, and then think very carefully about before you sort of make the plunge because it is a huge financial investment. Um, and like most things, um, including, I think there's, there's sort of a shift that I see in law school, like you might see in undergrad, where people are realizing that sort of automatically um, plunging yourself into tuition fees of like tens of thousands of dollars may not make sense. And in the law school, that could be 50, 100, $150,000, $250,000 may not be worth it if what you come out with at the end isn't something you're going to love. So you sort of need to find out I think you need to sort of think especially critically much more than you would when you're making like a um, college decision on whether it's something you um, actually want to do and actually will enjoy because if not, then you're going to be faced with a lot of debt and not loving what you end up doing. And unfortunately I think the legal profession could do better at um, helping um, prospective law students sort of make that determination before they've either um, spent money for three years or for just one year and realize it's not what they want to do. And then they have all this, this debt that they're facing. Right. So what is the day to day life of a lawyer? Um, so for me, every lawyer is different, right? So I, I am a transactional attorney, which means I don't go to court. I don't do much litigation. Um, I'm dealing mostly with contracts a lot of my work are smaller bite-sized chunks. So I might spend like two to four hours on an agreement, whereas a litigator might spend uh, hundreds of hours on a case, right? So it's a little bit different. Um, day-to-day life, you work a lot. Um, there's a lot of professions like that, but you, um, I, have, I have long days um, like most professions do. Your life revolves around the clock much more than I want it to because at the end of the day we have to track and manage like billable hours and it's just sort of a function of being in the service industry where people are paying you for your time Um, so that is a huge part of the law practice but I do get to work with a lot of cool clients and deal with a lot of cool technology so I work um, I'm up in Seattle, so I work with a lot of the huge players that are up in Seattle that everyone's probably heard of. Um, I get to work with some of the major sports um, leagues, MLS, PGA Tour, 
um, and others doing a, a lot of cool work that's extremely interesting and in a lot of cases um, well before whatever the thing I'm working on is made public or that others know about it. Um, so it's a trade-off between I, I happen to, to like the, the most of the work that I'm doing so it sort of makes up for the long hours that I that you have to put in and, and sort of the amount of effort that goes into any sort of um, post undergrad um, graduate degree and that sort of makes up for that. Being an attorney is a lot of critical reading, writing, and speaking. So I think good attorneys are really good at understanding complex problems very quickly and then being able to articulate them to um, your clients in a way that they could understand at like a fifth grade level. So it's, and um, more junior attorneys struggle with this, and I'm still relatively junior in the field, but um, you realize you're very smart and how much you know, and you want to show that off, but the successful attorneys are able to take all that information and present it to someone in a short five sentence or less summary, just tell them what they need to know and move on type of circumstance. But that's I think, I think if you're thinking about being an attorney, you want to um, love reading and writing and, and um, public speaking in that manner, whether it's to clients or in a courtroom. Thanks so much for joining us today, Trevor. Violently Spoken is sponsored by your Alumni Advisory Committee. We'll see you next time.